And uh, we're going to do something a little different today. I'm preaching from in the office. No, I left my notes on the copier. Kind of tough when you make a copy of your notes and then you forget to bring them out with you. All right. Matthew chapter 11, please. Matthew chapter 11, let's look at uh, verse 20, please. Matthew 11, verse 20. Then he began to upbraid the cities, wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they repented not. Woe unto thee, Chorazon, and Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works that had been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. And at this time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid things, hid these things from the wise and the prudent, and hath revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he whosoever the Son uh, will reveal him. Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy, are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, help us as we understand again more of this amazing truth that Jesus is sharing with us. Father, thank you so much for his example. And Father, help us to understand the importance it is to just trust him. That's so much of the key to our everyday life. So, Lord, I pray you would bless, um, be with my mind. Lord, uh, the amazing thing is I'm not the teacher. Your Holy Spirit is the one who guides us through the truth. And, Lord, I just pray that uh, as we share this together, you would lay upon each one of our hearts the importance of what we need to do to be more like you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So... We'll start out right here from the notes. To whom it is uh, much is given, much is required. How many of you have heard that before? Okay, uh, we're going to be focusing on that because that's what Jesus is focusing on here. So I want us to understand that. Now, just to review what Jesus has said so far in this chapter, Jesus had reminded them that they should be judging by the scriptures. The beginning of the chapter, Jesus says to John's disciples, listen, you want to know who I am? What does the Bible say? Check the scriptures. I fit the prophecies. Everything that God's word said about me is being fulfilled 
through my life, so it proves that I'm Messiah. Jesus then goes on to instruct the crowd who John the Baptist was. And we covered that pretty clearly, that there's so many prophecies in the scriptures that Jesus refers to and says, this is John the Baptist. So the scripture describes who the Messiah Jesus is, the scripture des uh, describes who John the Baptist was, and we reminded ourselves the important part is there's quite a few books in the New Testament, epistles, okay, books written to churches to talk about what Christians should be. So the Bible has a lot to say about who you and I are. And are we living up to it? And again, one of the quotes that goes through my mind, not as often as it probably should, but uh, if you were taken to court and somebody tried to prove that you were a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Could somebody take the scripture and say, oh, here's what a Christian should be, and look at you and I and say, well, yeah, they're fitting what the Bible says. It's always about what the scripture says. And that's going to come down, that's a hinge point on what we're looking at this morning. Okay, and so I want us to remember, Jesus is always going back to what is the teaching of the scriptures and how does it affect me today? And so that's what we're going to be focusing on. That's the underlying point. Now Jesus goes ahead and uh, brings up a couple of places. So there's a, <laughs> Dan this morning dealt with a promise in the word of God that's sometimes not easy to hear. Well, we're going to look at a concept here that Jesus puts out that isn't so easy when we look at our own lives, and especially in a church like ours. We'll get around to that through what Jesus is about to talk about. So Jesus addresses three Gentile cities in uh, um, Galilee, okay? Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. We just read that. Jesus says, uh, okay, you three cities, I got some things I want to say unto you. Woe unto you. Okay, he gives them a, a little bit of a warning. All right, keep going. Capernaum was on the northwest shore of Gal the Sea of Galilee, and Coruscant and Bethsaida were two towns right up in that area. Now, if you remember, keep going right with the slides. Um, Jesus upbraids them. This word here means defame, to rail at, to taunt. He basically says, what's wrong with you people? And it's Jesus' point. Guys, honestly, wake up. Okay, why? Well, Jesus did a large number of miracles there. This was the first place. We'll look at it in the, in the, in the next slide. Jesus actually moves to Capernaum to fulfill the scripture that had been promised because Jesus does everything that fulfills the scripture. But he moves to Capernaum, and now he's doing tons of miracles in this area. So why is Jesus chewing these folks out? It's because Jesus is living out his ministry, what the scripture said, he's doing all these miracles, signs and wonders, proving of who he is in these cities, and nobody's responding. So he says, woe unto you guys. He's, I don't understand what's wrong with you. God's showing you, and nobody's responding. Never have that in your life, where it seems like you're living your faith out, and people around you, and you're trying to live for the Lord, and just seems to be nobody's responding. And it seems like you're beating your head against the wall. And sometimes that's how it is. Sometimes people are, aren't interested. Well, it doesn't mean that there's not going to be consequences for that. As much as we don't like to think about it, it's true. And we're going to be dealing with that. Keep going. Jesus relocated to Capernaum. We already looked at this but a couple chapters ago, but just to remind us, all right? And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the seacoast, by the borders of Zebulun and Naphtalim. Okay? 
that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, A land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw a great light, and to them which sat in the region in the shadow of death, a light sprung up. So Jesus, again, is fulfilling exactly what the scripture says. So he moves to Capernaum. He is doing all these miracles. He's shining a light in these Gentile cities, and they're not responding to it. And so Jesus' response is, woe unto you. You guys are looking for big trouble. To the point where, and I know I'm mowing through this, but I want us to get to the main point here. Okay, keep going. Jesus compares these cities to Tyre, Sidon, and Sodom. Now, many of us may not be familiar with Tyre and Sidon in the Old Testament. Both of those cities were judged because of their treatment of Israel and the rejection of God to the point where if you read in Ecclesiastes where God actually calls upon Nebuchadnezzar the king, not verbally, but in his prophecy, to go conquer these cities because of his judgment upon them. Okay, one of the other ones that probably is more familiar, how many of you have ever heard of Sodom and Gomorrah? Okay, many of us know that, and many of us know the story that's accompanied with that. All right, Jesus goes ahead and compares the three Gentile cities, which he's been doing his miracles in, to these three cities which God had passed judgment upon. All right, but the interesting thing is the comparison that Jesus gives. Okay. Tyre and Sidon was a port city of Phoenicia on the Mediterranean Sea, north of Lebanon today. Uh, these were not Jewish cities, they were Gentile cities, uh, and weren't very highly thought of by the Jews, but this is where Jesus is living out his ministry. Keep going. Okay, God sent judgment against Tyre and Sidon. You can look at that up in Ezekiel, read that chapter, and God calls upon uh, a Gentile king to go conquer them because they were rejecting God and standing against Israel. Okay, and here's what the one verse out of that passage. Uh, and they destroyed the walls of Tyrus and break down her towers. I will also scrape her, scrape dust from her and make her like the top of a rock. It basically said nothing left, just cleaned right off. Okay, God's judgment upon Tyre and Sidon. It's important because Jesus is referencing this as a point. Keep going. Sodom, you will not know the story of Lot and how fire and brimstone and God completely obliterated both Sodom and Gomorrah from the face of the earth okay, because their wickedness. Okay, Jude talks about this in the book in verse 7. Even Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them of like manner giving themselves over to fornication going after strange flesh. I don't even want to discuss uh, anyway, okay. Um are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Okay, God judged Sodom and Gomorrah, and we know that. Well, Jesus is saying, you know what? Remember those cities, Tyre, Sidon, and Sodom, and the judgment of God that came upon them? He says, woe unto you, because it will be better for these Old Testament cities that God judged and destroyed than it will be for you in the day of judgment. Tell me there's not consequences to rejecting Jesus Christ. Told you, not everything we're going to talk about is easy to hear today, but this is the truth, all right? Keep going. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, 
They would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Jesus said, listen, you're seeing Messiah do miracles, fulfill his prophecy, and walk amongst you right now, and the light is shining amongst you that God has brought forth, and you're not responding. You're not repenting. And he says, you know what? It would be better for you, better for the Old Testament city that was destroyed than it's going to be for you because of rejecting who Jesus is. Okay? Woe unto thee, for they would have repented by now. Get the point? Jesus says, if I was back there in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented. You know, it reminds me of another story in the scripture. You ever, uh, how many of you know the book of Jonah or the story of Jonah? We all know the Jonah and the whale part, right? Okay, he sets the little table in there with the candle and, you know, it's not what it was like. But, you know, sometimes you get the pictures of that in the Sunday school books, right? Um, where Jesus, listen, Jonah, excuse me, uh, finally repents and the Lord allows him to go to Nineveh. And uh, he tells that God is going to judge the city. Okay, and Jonah has a terrible attitude. And Jonah sits up on a hillside overlooking the city and is waiting for God's destruction. The difference is the entire city of Nineveh repented, put on sackcloth and ashes, and lamented the fact that they had ignored the God of gods. And Jonah sits up there on the hill going, man, how come God's not destroying this city? These are a bunch of wicked people. But God didn't destroy Nineveh because they repented. Okay, interesting story. You know, sometimes we, we get back and say, <laughs> i got to be careful, Craig. <sighs> of a lot of the stuff that's going on in this world right now. And how many of you have, said, have ever said this in your mind, even if you haven't said it out loud? If I were God, I would... Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> okay. Uh, there are times I look, oh, Lord, man, it's a good thing I'm not in charge because there's some people that, uh... one of the great things is God is always, always desiring people to come to repentance. God is not in heaven desiring to strike somebody with a lightning bolt. His desire is never to punish that is a result of our decisions. He always wants repentance. So here in Nineveh, even though Jonah's sitting there going, all right, get him, Lord. I can't wait to have the fire and brimstone to destroy this city. And God says, no, because they repented. Well, the illustration here that Jesus is using is these cities in Jesus' day aren't repenting. Even with Messiah right there living amongst them, showing his miracles, shining the light of God in those areas. And Jesus said it will be more tolerable from the, for those Old Testament cities who were destroyed than it's going to be for you. Okay, Not only that, he says, Sodom, keep going, for the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained today. Jesus says, you know what? God would have never destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah if they would have been able to have the testimony that you guys have with Messiah walking amongst you. Talk about calling these people out. So Jesus saying, this neighborhood that I'm living in, right here where I've made my home, and I'm doing all these miracles to prove who I am, and shining the light of God in his prophecies, and, and I'm here as a savior, you guys are in trouble. 
Now, here's a couple things that we learned about this. Number one, there are different levels of God's judgment. Uh, I don't know what they are. Don't ask me. I just know that if God says it's more tolerable for one and less tolerable for the other, that means there's different levels. Anybody else? Am I the only one to figure that out? So God says, okay, there's going to be a harsher judgment on you than there is on this person. And sometimes we don't like to talk about that, not necessarily us who are Scripture followers, but Christendom, okay, Christianity in our world today doesn't like to talk about the fact that God is going to judge. And there are different levels of judgment, and Jesus is saying this absolutely clear. He's saying, listen, for those of you who are living a life like these folks were in Jesus' example, he said, even the judgment on those Sodom and Gomorrah isn't going to be as bad as the judgment upon you. Now again, don't ask me what it is. I'm not God. I'm not even going to try to figure it out. All I know is God does say that there's, uh, you reap what you sow. Okay? Keep that in mind. In the day of judgment, and remember, that is the great white throne judgment, and we're going to reference both of these. This is a judgment solely for those who have rejected Christ as Savior. Okay? The great white throne judgment is someone who does not believe. Okay? It is not for believers. That is very important. Keep going. Remember, if you are a Christian, this is not speaking about you. Because my sin... My behavior was judged on Calvary. I thank the Lord that he took my sins. He took the punishment for all the things in my life. And because of repentance and turning to Christ, there's the difference. Jesus said, you guys never repented. For us as believers, we are no longer held accountable and guilty for our sins because that is why Christ came to take he became sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah for that. So when we're talking about this, Jesus is saying, listen, you folks, you're not responding to Jesus. There's going to be judgment. Please understand that. And we have a world today that tends to forget that. We understand that God is, has a Two sides to one coin. One side is he is absolute love, but the other side is he is absolutely just. He will reach out in absolute love to every person in this world, but at the same time, he must judge by his perfect standard. In this world today, we want to talk about, oh, let's take the judgment, the justice part out of it and just focus on his love. Oh, he just loves us so much that we can just get away with anything and do whatever we want, and it's because he's just love, love, love. But God says, I'm also just, and there will be a judgment. There will be accounting someday. Jesus is making very clear. Okay, there, this is pretty heavy on Jesus' part. When he stands up and says, woe unto you, okay, this is probably one of the most... Um, direct phrases of promised punishment that Jesus gives in the word, okay? Because of what we're going to look at here. Keep going. The warning principle here, 
Folks, to whom much is given is much is uh, required. We look at that passage we just read and say, oh, praise God, you know, I'm not back in uh, Capernaum or one of these cities, and I'm not an unbelieving Gentile. I trust Jesus as my Savior. I know who he is. The problem is Jesus is saying, you guys were shown so much light. I did my miracles there. This is the first place that I was rejected. Woe unto you. The issue is, how much have you and I learned about the Lord Jesus? Because to whom much is given, much is required. Just like Jesus, he doesn't name a bunch of other cities. He names those three because they have had his light shine 100% there because that's where Jesus is living. And Jesus says, you guys are in trouble because I'm right here. You know better. You can see it. And this is the point that I want to make carefully about our church. We strive very hard here, all of us, not just Dan and I who stand up in front of you every week, but every one of us to make sure that we're teaching what God's Word says. We're looking clearly at the truth. We spend a lot of time going verse by verse by verse through the Scripture so that we don't miss anything, so that we don't skim anything over. But I want to tell you something. That means we have a heightened understanding of sometimes what other Christians may not see. And I, I, please, this, it always comes out wrong because it makes it sound like we're better than somebody else. I'm not saying that at all. But if you go to the root of getting a book mailed to you as a pastor that says 52 sermons for the, year, uh, for the next year, and I don't even have to think about what we're going to talk about. It's all laid out for me. And yeah, believe it or not, you can, guys, and there are churches and denominations that the same message is being preached in all of those churches around this country because it's in a book. And, yeah, somebody in an office somewhere is photocopying this stuff and printing it out so all these pastors around the world can just spit out a message that's been written in a book. We don't do that. We dig into every single word that God says. But that means too much is given, much is expected. You and I are digging into passages of Scripture and trying our best, and God's looking at you guys and saying, I am revealing stuff to you. How are you going to respond? If he can look at these group and say, listen, you have so much of my life revealed to you as Messiah, and I'm judging you against some of the most wicked cities in the Old Testament because you're not responding. What happens in a church like ours where we're preaching the truth of God's word as deep as we can dig into it, and we're not responding? We're a little soft in Christianity in America sometimes. And we love hearing it, praise God, Brother Dan, that was a really good Sunday school. Man, you dug in, and I love when you get into the Greek, and it's awesome to hear. All right, and we go home and live the exact same way we've been living. To whom much is given, much is required. The more and more we learn about God's word, the more and more he expects from us. Okay, um, case in point, and we're going to bring this up in a minute. Um, I don't expect... Or I didn't, I'll say that, because I don't have a five-year-old anymore. Um, 
Okay, I didn't expect my five-year-old to carry on in the house the way my 15-year-old would. Okay, I wouldn't expect my five-year-old to be able to maybe go out and do the weed whacking or load the dishwasher or put his own laundry in the washing machine and start it. That's beyond his understanding. But once he got to the level of 15, 16, uh, listen, you're old enough now, you understand things, you know better, let's get to it. Okay, you could pick up your own socks, all 15 pair that are stuck to the carpet. You understand that the point is to whom much is given, much is expected. You don't expect a little one who doesn't have the knowledge and understanding to be able to handle those things. But the more and more we're given, the more and more God expects from us. So we are truly blessed, and I thank God for this because it's special, the fact that we are really, really honestly trying to cover every nook and cranny of this book. But that just means we more, have more understanding of what God expects from us. To whom much is given, much is required. Now, with that in mind, though, it gets better. Thank the Lord. Because I go, oh, Lord, I'm reading your word and try to get through the Bible every year and all that kind of stuff. And, oh, that means I'm required more and more of me. Well, yeah, that's true. As God is helping me grow, he's expecting more and more growth. It's not a hard concept. Keep going. Luke said, and here's that verse that we get that from. But he that knew not didn't commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required, or shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. And there's many other passages. How many of you remember the master who gave five talents and three talents and one talent? And he came back, and the one who had gotten five got it, made it ten. The one who gave him three made it six. But the one who was given one buried it and never used it, didn't invest it. And God says, you wicked servant. I gave you this, and you never did anything with it. This teaching is through the Bible. When God gives you something, he expects from you to use that. That's the point. Okay, keep going. When we study the Word of God like we do in our church, God will hold us to a high level of responsibility to grow and share what we've learned. Listen to how quiet it is. Now, here I am. That's where Pastor stands over here. I'm going to stand over here because it's Craig. Okay? I don't live up to this either. I should, but the more and more I learn from God's word, the more and more he's expecting from me. And we have a wonderful country, we just talked about it a few minutes ago, in which we can come to church five, six, ten days, ten days a week, anyway. You could be here every week doing Bible study, every worship service, everything else. Nobody's going to kick down the door, nobody's going to stop you. Hallelujah for the fact that many of you have sat in these pews almost every Sunday for 20, 30 plus years. Are we the same as we were 20 or 30 years ago? I hope not. 
Are we acting? Are we responding? Are we sharing the way we should, as we've learned? No. I'll admit it. I got to be better. If God's investing in me, there should be some evidence of that. Okay? How many times do we laugh and giggle at uh, these kids or think it's pathetic that a 38-year-old kid is still living in his mom's basement? Hadn't really gotten a real job, loves sitting around playing video games and not doing much, and we go, man, what a waste. Because at that age, you would think they would be investing in society and grown into a life where they're being responsible But you know, sometimes I think about Christians and I wonder the same thing. Now praise God, if you're feeling like I'm laying it on heavy, I'm not. That might just be the Holy Spirit. Okay, But there are churches around where people go, sit, chalk it up like, I just made brownie points with God because I sat in a building for an hour and now I'll go do my thing and next week I'll sit in the building for an hour just to earn my heaven credit. And God's going... No, to whom much is given, much is required. So thank the Lord that you're here at our church. But the more you learn, the more God says, okay, let's see how you plug that in. And we still have that sign on the back door that many of us walk under, and it's been there for so long that we don't even read it anymore. And it says, leave changed. We should be responding to what Jesus has for us. Now, with all that in mind, I told you it gets better, right? You're like, Pastor, please get to the better part. Okay, I will. I promise. Okay. 2 Corinthians. Paul says, listen, for we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, let's take a break there. Remember I told you there was a great white throne judgment? Okay, where all unbelievers will be judged. There is something called the judgment seat of Christ. And that is where all of us who are believers, who have walked in the Lord in this life, stand before God and he takes account of how we've lived. How do I know that? We'll keep going. We all must stand before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which uh, he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Keep going. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. Paul says, we get out and serve because we understand the terror of the Lord. Now, you want to define that word terror? God does it. Don't often put them up here, but the word here in the Greek is phobos, It means exceeding fear. Now sometimes we cruise through Christianity thinking, oh, this is the most wonderful thing in the world. I'm all set. Life is, you know, all marshmallows and fluffy. And Paul says, listen, we invest in others and we're doing our best because we're exceedingly fearful. Because to whom much is given much is required you know there's another verse i didn't put up there but it goes like this to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin when we know what we should be doing and we're not doing it god says 
Woe unto you. There's something interesting there in that word, the terror of the Lord. I know when I get to heaven someday, there's going to be a lot of regret. Because I ain't perfect. I'm the first to admit it. You want who's second in line to help admit that? My wife. I'm not perfect. And there'll be time when I have to stand before the Lord and I'm hoping to hear some of that well done, thou good and faithful servant. But at the same time, I'm going to know, yeah, Lord, I know there are, I could have been a lot better. That there's a point in which I'm going to have to look in his eyes and know how I failed him. And that scares me. Not fear of eternal damnation. But I just don't want the one who gave all for me to have to watch me justify how I couldn't give all for him. I don't like it. Told you it would get better, right? It's gonna, I promise. Okay, keep going. Notice, Jesus talks about hell. He's a little commercial for you. Again, Jesus is talking about judgment. People in some Christian circles don't even believe that there's a real hell. They want to talk about heaven left and right and that we have a, we're all going to heaven someday and there's no really such thing. We're living in hell right now. Okay, eh, wrong. As a matter of fact, Jesus speaks about hell close to twice as much as he speaks about heaven. There is a very real place called hell and it's a place of eternal fire and judgment. Okay, it ain't made for a single human being. People only go because they refuse to take Jesus' offer of a guaranteed path to heaven through him. But there is a real place called hell. So there's a commercial for you because be careful. There are Christian groups, Christian groups who don't even leave, listen to Jesus who talks about hell a lot. Okay, that's a point I just wanted to make as we're going by. I didn't want to just miss it. All right, keep going. So Jesus is thankful. Told you it gets better. What is Jesus thankful for? He's thankful for he came to deliver this message to babes. Okay, catch it with me. I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast, not, uh, they ha thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent and revealed them unto babes. So what does he mean by that? He didn't come and reveal this stuff to smart people, but only infantile uh, what's the word I'm looking for when you're young? Uh, immature people? Is that what he's saying? That he didn't come to deliver a message to smart people. If you're a Christian, you're just a dummy, and that's why God revealed himself to you. That is not what this means. Okay, and I want to make sure. What this means is people that don't have their own preconceived concepts of what is right. Um, to give example... I had the opportunity to coach a high school women's girls, whatever you call it, I don't want to be offensive, but they, you know, some of them were still younger, a softball team and a high school boys baseball team. I loved coaching the softball team. Why? Well, usually six-year-old kid boys are in little league t-ball. Okay, they're spending 10 years in baseball by the time they hit high school baseball. 
and half the time they think they're a Nomar Garcia Parra or a Big Poppy. Or they, they have learned so many bad habits on how to play baseball. And when you try to tell them and start coaching them through things, they're like, oh, coach, I know this. I've been, I've been playing baseball for so long. I know how the mechanics of a good swing work. You know, and it's hard because they already think they know everything about baseball. What was great about teaching, coaching the girls' softball league is most of them hadn't played softball in maybe just a few years. So they were willing to listen and learn. They were a blank slate. And when you said to them, listen, step this way, hold the bat this way, line your hands up, they were like, and they realized, the boys would be like, ah, coach, I've been batting for years. Don't want to listen. When Jesus says, I came and I thank the Lord that he chose babes in Christ to share this with, he meant people who hadn't all lived their life and grown up with preconceived ideas. Remember who he's dealing with mostly here is Pharisees who are coming telling him, that's not how we do things in this religion. So Jesus says, listen, I'm so thankful, God, that you chose not the wise, not the brilliant. He didn't send them to the leaders in the synagogue. Jesus sent, was sent to those common folks in the street because he could take a blank slate and teach them what they needed to understand. Now, this is extremely important, and I've said this before in my life, and thank the Lord I've had some folks that have helped me learn that always let the Word of God teach you. The problem sometimes is we have an idea, and we go to the Bible, and we try to make the Bible support what we already think. I was in Bible college, went to Bible college, spent a lot of my younger years in church being trained into the ministry, graduated with a degree from the Bible college, and you know what? There's things I was taught in Bible college that weren't right. Because professors have a sequence and a scope and a thing they want to talk about, and they teach you this, but when you start really digging into the Scripture, you realize that's not really what the Bible says. So what do I do? Say, well, uh, that verse must not mean what it means because I know what it means. No, every one of us need to adjust to what the Scripture says. Um, I was sharing this the other day, and please, I know I'm setting a lot of this up, but I want us to understand the truth of this. <laughs> um, I have several people in my life that tend to... Uh, over-educate in certain situations. Case in point, I can walk up uh, with several of these people. I'm trying not to name them because I don't want to embarrass anybody. But I'll say, wow, look at that beautiful sunset. It's so nice. The sky is so bright orange. And the person will go, well, the sky isn't actually orange. It's the light waves that are coming through the long reflective of the thing. You know, it's, it's like, shut up. I'm just trying to say how beautiful it is. I didn't say, why is the sky orange? And see, that's sometimes what Jesus is talking about. Jesus wants to tell us the simple truth of his word. Yes, but don't you know what the, ex, the old religious, you know, the, our church has been in existence for, you know, our religion has been around for 20 minutes. Hogwash. What does Jesus say? 
And that's why he says this. I am so glad, Father, I thank you that you chose to reveal this to babes. Not infantile, not immature, but somebody that didn't have a deep background in religion and wants to argue every point. He says, I thank the Lord that these guys were clean slates and I can just teach them from scratch. One of the hardest times sometimes discipling someone is when they've spent their whole life in church doing things that the Bible doesn't say. And you have to say, well, why do you do what? You know, how come you don't do this in your church? Because the Bible says, you know, I, one of the greatest ones, and again, I'm not picking on any group in particular, but it fits. There are religious groups, Christian groups, that want to pray the Lord's Prayer over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And, uh, did I say it enough? Go home and say the Our Father 30 times this week, and it'll help you. Okay? But if you go look at the passage where that, uh, the Lord's Prayer is listed, two verses before that, it says, don't pray over and over and over the same words thinking you're impressing God. That's what the Scripture says. But because religious systems have taught that for years, people are convinced that they, this is what I'm talking about. Jesus is saying, listen, don't go by what people have told you the word of God is so simple, just believe it. We sang the song, trusting Jesus, only trust him, right? Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just in simple faith, believing. You know what's great? Talked about my five-year-old son, give that illustration. You know when I, I said to him, yeah, when water freezes, it floats, he didn't go, oh, no, it doesn't float. A child at that age believes their father and trusts what you teach them because they have a respect and understand my daddy is going to help me to learn and grow. It's not until they're teenagers that you're going, my parents are idiots until they're in their 20s and they go, oh, I guess my parents weren't idiots. They did know everything. This is what Jesus is talking about, guys, when it talks about this babes in Christ. And I want us to understand this because we always, always, always have to be ready when we see something in the Word of God that we adjust ourselves to fit the Scriptures, not say, well, I don't know if I agree with that. You don't agree with the Bible? Okay, you can sit there and say, I don't know if I agree with what Pastor Fisher said this morning. That's fine. But don't ever disagree with God's Word. Jesus says, listen, I like this, Lord, that you have chosen a blank slate. I don't have to argue with these folks. I don't have to go into the, these who are wise in the ways of the world and religion and try to convince them that their uh, religious system that they've had for years isn't working. Yeah, so great. So Jesus said that. Now, um, keep going. Luke says, in the hour that Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudish, and has revealed them unto babes, even so, Father, for it seemed good in thy sight. Luke says the exact same thing. Man, I am so glad, Lord, that you chose to reveal this to people who didn't have their own opinion about the truth. Do you and I have our own preconceived ideas, or are we ready to listen to Jesus? Keep going. Okay. How be it? We speak wisdom among them that are perfect 
Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that shall come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in the mystery. Even his, his wisdom, which God ordained before the world to our glory, keep going, which none of the princes of this world knew. For if they'd known, they would have not have crucified, the, uh, crucified the Lord of glory. As it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. God wants to show us the truth, but we got to trust what he says is truth. Keep going. Oh, yeah, there it is. But God hath revealed them to us by his spirit. For even uh, for the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. And you want to read the rest of that chapter. It's an amazing chapter talking about what God is willing to teach us and show us. Now keep going. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 18. I said verily unto you, Try that again. Really, I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoso therefore shall humble himself as a little child, the same shall be greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus doesn't mean we need to start acting infantile. Jesus means come to him with the faith of a little child. When I was a little child, I believed in my dad in everything. Sometimes I later on had to go, man, my dad always taught me that wrong. But that's what he's talking about. He's not telling, he's just saying innocent. Don't have preconceived ideas. Keep going. Now this, I'm harping on this because we're about to come into a passage that seems to be a contradiction to what Dan just went over in Sunday school. Okay? This is it. How many love this verse? Come unto me, all ye weary and are heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you, for my burden is easy, right? My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Um, Dan just got done teaching us what Paul was teaching Timothy and said, those who will live godly shall suffer persecution. Jesus said, this world hates you because it hated me first. That we will suffer if we live for Christ. Now, how, is that contradictory? You might be persecuted or imprisoned or beaten or beheaded. You have to walk with a battle of the flesh and the spirit every single day of your life. Yet Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Come unto me and I'll give you rest, rest for your soul. Doesn't it seem like those two things don't get along? Anybody come to you and say, oh, once you receive Jesus Christ as Savior, it'll be the easiest life you ever lived. Eh, wrong. Okay, as a matter of fact, if you go back and listen to Dan's sermon from this morning, if you're not being persecuted for your life in Christ, something must be wrong. Because God promises us that's exactly what's going to happen. So how then is Jesus saying, listen, it's going to be restful and easy. And Well, he's not talking about our daily walk. He just got done talking about the fact that, listen, I revealed myself to these cities, and they didn't listen, and their judgment's going to be heavy. And then he says, I thank you, Lord, that I, you didn't reveal these to these know-it-all brilliant folks who think they have all the answers. You revealed it to those who have a clean slate and are willing to listen. And then he says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy. Listen, those of you who are ready to listen, who are ready to be taught, I'm going to give you information because my truth is simple. 
It's easy. As a matter of fact, if you look it up, there's a yoke. And how many of you know what a yoke is? Okay, where you would hook up oxen together and they pull the same load. But for several centuries, it has also been understood as a metaphor or a, a picture of a person's teaching. As a matter of fact, it's called the rabbi's yoke. Okay, the rabbi's yoke was a, the, that rabbi's interpretation or teaching on the Bible. Okay, so if, if, a, if a, um, a rabbi, Rabbi Ike, or his rabbi's yoke would be maybe different teaching than another rabbi. Okay, now there's a, a passage in here that I want. Jesus is not saying your walk in faith would be easy. He said, my teaching is easy. That's what's different here. And Dan, if you have a bad, come the next Sunday morning because Dan's going to move on from you shall suffer persecution to all scripture is given by inspiration of God. The cure to a, a, a tough walk in this world, in our Christian life, and the sufferings in the, is the word of God. Well, he's not saying here, listen, if you ask Jesus, if you follow me, it's just going to be a walk in the park. You're going to be tiptoeing through the tulips your whole life. He says, no. My teaching. As a matter of fact, here's a passage. We do, part of this verse we don't always listen to when we read it. Come unto me, all ye labor and a heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, upon you, and learn of me. That's the part we don't necessarily put in. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That just means, oh yeah, we just put that yoke on with Jesus. He'll do all the heavy lifting and we just got to walk. No, Jesus says, learn of me. Jesus' point is, is, what I'm going to teach you is not hard. As a matter of fact, I think I put the verse up there in a minute that talks about the simplicity that is in Christ. If we would just trust him and believe him, it's not hard. How many of us, as we're going through the word of God, and we teach it to each other, one, and we disciple and do all this stuff, have found the concepts in God's word to be, you know, doctorate level, or is it pretty easy to understand? Most of it is extremely easy. Yeah, do you need to learn how to pronounce the city Bethsaida or Chorazin or Capernaum? Yeah, there's some weird words in the scripture, but God's word is easy. The concept of salvation is easy. I'm a sinner. I disqualified myself from heaven and spending eternity with God. Period. However, Jesus, because God himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit love us so much, designed a plan to help me where I messed up. And he came to earth and died to take care of my failure where I came short, my sin. And if I would just trust him and say, I believe you, I want you to do that, I want to be Lord, I want to live for you, then he reestablishes that relationship with God and I can spend eternity in heaven with him because of that. That is not complicated. Very easy. Keep going. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through subtility, that your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. You know, 
back in the garden, there was one commandment. Just one. Their Bible consisted of one verse. Thou shalt not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, period. This is not a hard Bible to study. Yet, God says, Satan corrupted, twisted the simplicity of it. If they would have just believed God and trusted him and did what he said, everything would have worked out perfect. But just one sentence of a Bible, and Satan was able to twist it. This is why he's saying, listen, it's easy, it's light, it's not hard. Learn of me. Don't bring in all this extra baggage of what religion and other people in your own brain tells you. Trust Jesus. It always just comes back to the word of God. Someone asked me just last week, what is our, you know, what, what basically defines your church? Because to have a name, Bethel Bible Church, what does that mean? Are you Lutheran, Catholic, what, you know, Episcopal, are you Protestant? What, what kind of church are you? And I said, we teach the Bible. Why? Because that's what's important. It's really simple. If God said it, it's important. If he didn't say it, it's not that important. We need to approach him saying, Lord, I'm ready to listen. I'm ready to change because what you tell me. Now, here's an interesting phrase I had just heard on the other day, and I liked it. Keep going. Oh, the, the rabbi's yoke, I already told you about that, right? Uh, go back. Okay. Our life in Christ is not always easy, our walk, but his teaching is. It's not complicated. Now, here's the thing I heard, which I love this. You know what God left out of the Bible? This is amazing to think about. God actually left something out of the Bible. Okay, you ready? I'm setting you up. I'm teasing you. Your opinion that's what we're talking about guys they he, jesus was approaching a, a group of people who had a religious background and he was stomping all over their religious ideas that they didn't know what to do with it and he says god i thank you so much that you didn't send me to those guys who had all kinds of opinions and religious ideas and structure of uh, worship and stuff that wasn't really biblical he said you sent me to babes they didn't have a whole lot of background, so I can take them from ground zero and teach them because they're willing to listen to me. Take my yoke on you and learn of me. It's easy. It's not that hard. Last little bit. Jesus' teaching of the word of God is easy. Simply believe what he says and trust him. To whom much is given, much is required. You and I have a, a privilege of being able to learn the word of God every single day. Not hard. But then the thought I do want to walk away with, because the whole theme Jesus has started out with was, these folks saw it and they didn't change. Don't be people who hear God's word, read it every day, and it has no effect. Because to whom much is given, much is required. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And honestly, Father, I say that every single time we pray. Because without it, we would be lost. We would not know anything that we need to know. Father, to the point where you proved your Messiah by your word. You keep every promise in your word. 
Lord, everything is focused upon this book, not our ideas, not man's wisdom, not the concepts that are being put out by this world, the truth of your word. And honestly, it is so simple. It's really not that complicated. Just like a five-year-old son, when he asks dad a question, just believes what dad says because he knows dad's trying to help him grow and learn. Father, I love that phrase, and help me with it, honestly, Lord. What's not in your word is my opinion. If I've got something that I stumble across when I'm reading, and my thinking is different than your word, i got to adjust my thinking. So, Father, thank you. Now, Lord, we're going to go out into this world, and we're going to run into some people. And, Lord, our goal is to show them who Jesus is. As simple as that. It's not complicated. We don't need to have doctorate in theology to tell somebody about Jesus. Father, please help us to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. When you go to God's Word every day, I hope you're reading every day, when you come here and hear God's preaching, it's not hard, it's easy. Just be ready to change. Be what God wants you to be. Amen. Love you. Hopefully this week on Wednesday we'll be all set. We kind of had a lot of people out of town and we didn't even have Wednesday night.